This is the Max and Tony show. Minus Max. Max got his first film job today. Very exciting. Yeah. So he is filming uh, Chicago PD right now. And um, he's bummed he can't be here. You are, uh, we, we are with Jennifer Reeder, and he is a big fan of hers, as am I, as, as are all of us. And uh, it's so thrilling to have you now, particularly when... Uh, signature move is playing at the music box and it opened up number one independent film over the weekend that's amazing that's box office really amazing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah number one that's bananas you know I, i mean how how long have you been making films i have been making films for 25 years now, was your first discipline as an artist, as a filmmaker? No, I was a ballet dancer. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was a ballet dancer up through the beginning of college, and I I didn't come into to filmmaking d- directly from dance, but you know, a, one of my first film classes, we watched a bunch of. Uh, Maya Darren films, right? Yeah. And she had been a dancer and became... And she made incredible films about incredible Haiti, films. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, I, yeah, I didn't come in through visual art, but I came in through something more like, you know, choreography and performance. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's not the usual kind of path to uh, becoming a filmmaker. No, people go to film school. I didn't yeah. went to... I ended up uh, more so being in art school than mm-hmm. film school. Now, there are a whole bunch of readers that are artists. Can you take me through the order? Because there's a Scott reader, there's a Tyson reader. Right. The, and those two are brothers. Uh-huh. And I'm not related to them at all, but I but I knew them. We all knew each other when, when we were all still, I think they were living in Milwaukee and I was in um, yeah, Chicago. Because I thought you guys were like a cult or something. No, know? but I kept wanting to, <laughs> and there's a, another filmmaker whose name is Jennifer Reeves, who I know quite well, and she and I are constantly um, mistaken for each other. So I had wanted to have an exhibition that was called, like, Tyson Reader, Scott Reader, Jennifer Reader, Jennifer Reeves. It's never happened, but I'm still waiting for that to happen because we're all doing pretty well. It could be – it would be a very spectacular show. I mean, you know, the arts have been good to the readers, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And particularly you, you know, Signature Move. We were going to have Fazio in here as well, uh, Fazio Mirza. Uh, who is the star and the co-author of the screenplay, who also uh, comes uh, to the acting world via being a lawyer. Correct. Yes. You know, I've always thought lawyers were at least 20% actor. Right. You know, and and very often they become actors. Fred Dalton Thompson, who was on Law & Order and, and a bunch of films, and a Republican right-wing goofball, but, <laughs> but he again. was a pretty fine actor. Mm-hmm. Well, I and think he, that as an actress, she also, uh, and I can say this having directed her, like I feel like she actually takes direction more like a lawyer than an actor. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Does she negotiate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. The camera loves her. Yeah, she's beautiful. Um, the, the camera loves her. I did not get... Uh, the sense of any hesitancy, any recalcitrance. I mean, absolutely all in. And 
I, I've told everybody that will listen that Signature Move is my favorite movie this year and the most necessary movie. I appreciate and I, that I so much. I will tell you why. Because for once, Chicago looks like the city that I live in. Mm-hmm. You know, and it is full of people of color, mm-hmm. people who are queer, people who are straight, people who are other. And, uh, and everyone is president accounted for. And lots of women who are holding their own absolutely, in the world. <laughs> absolutely. And, and the opening shot I love so much where Foz is moving down Devon Avenue and introducing you to her community. Mm. And you and Chris Rahana do this amazing job of moving the camera in a way that expresses so much tactility. Mm-hmm. You know, the fabrics, the, the street food the, that made me just want to go up to Devon Avenue and have you know, have some Indian food. Well, and originally mm. the beginning of the film was supposed to be um, Fazia as her character Zanab on a scooter, mm-hmm. sort of, you know, driving through the, the streets. And A, it seemed like way too sort of elaborate for our budget to get a group of precision drivers and stunt um, a stunt woman to be Fazia on a scooter and, you know, close down streets and whatnot. And um, I just wanted to actually be able to open up the film looking very focused toward the tone and the texture and the colors mm-hmm. of, you know, Rogers Park, this this mm-hmm. huge, very vibrant South Asian community in Chicago. And that was um, that was a lot of footage that we shot sort of after the principal photography had been done. Yeah. You know? So we went back to Devon and, you know, would I mean, we had permission to to shoot in a lot of the shops, but then some of them we would just walk into and say, you know, can we shoot here today? Just, We're having a show. <laughs> yeah, and people, I mean, it was the same It was the same when we shot in Pilsen and Little Village. You know, it's like the same uh-huh. set of aunties, you know, kind of yeah. gathered around the camera wondering what we were doing, but all of them really celebrating the fact that we were, you know, taking in, taking their, notice. Taking in their community. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I feel really proud of how that, and that's that what, opens. That's what's so rewarding about uh, uh, about the movie is that for once it looks like the city that I live in. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the scenes where um, where Fazia meets her love interest mm-hmm. were uh, shot in the hideout. Oh, nice. And uh, th- th- there was a really idiotic review posted uh, on the reader's website. Saying, oh, the, you know, this is masquerading, the hideout is uh, as like a gay bar or something. And it's like all kinds of people go to the hideout. I mean, that's one of the things we love and treasure about the hideout. Yeah. Is that every single community is welcome. And I've seen everyone there, you know. Um, uh, you know, just an ignorant, stupid uh, assessment of a really, really fine film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a that that review in general did a lot of um, <clears throat> it felt really personal. I don't know the person who wrote it, at yeah. all, but it felt did really you, like turn this guy down for a date or something. No, no I, not that I remember. Yeah. You know I mean? it's, but, it's just the same kind of backhanded bullshit yeah. they're known for. And I think you know? that for the most part, I mean, we've gotten some obviously we've gotten some great reviews and the reviews that haven't been great have actually just said it was like the the sort of meanest thing they can say is that it's. Nice. That's a nice little love story, which I think. And I think a wholly necessary love story. Absolutely. I mean, here at the center of it, two women of color falling in love. Yeah. In the city of Chicago. 
You don't see that on film. You or don't television. at all. You don't. You, in fact, I've never seen it. I try to remember the last time I've ever seen that, and uh, I'm thinking, well, it's high time. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I think it's the most necessary movie that's out there right now. Yeah. I'm tired of stories about middle-aged white guys. I'm over it. So am I. And I'm a middle-aged white guy. <laughs> Me too. You know? We both it's are. Like, you know? <laughs> I want to see some women. I want to see some people of color. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. They just keep rehashing the same stories over and over again with a new, fresh, young, white face. And I'm, I'm tired of it. So it's exciting to hear that your film is not centering on... No, no. I mean, and, and it's completely unexpected. Yeah. Well, it's a film that also doesn't, it really, it is, so all of the, the lead um, speaking roles are all women of color. Yeah. But it's not a film that in any way alienates anyone or feels Absolutely like it excludes not. anyone. So I think that, you in know. In fact, it kind of does this. It kind yeah, of just welcomes absolutely. you so in. So when we've been touring this film around, um, primarily to film festivals, because as you mentioned, it just opened up in Chicago theatrically and it's going to open up in New York theatrically at the end of this week. Um, the audiences have been packed with people who represent, you know, just a general slice of life. And everyone's laughing in the right places it seems like people are mm -hmm. engaged in all the right places for all the right reasons because it is a relationship film it's a family drama it's a it, it's a comedy yeah. it's got I think, a, a I great it's a very funny soundtrack comedy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's got to be rewarding when the audience is reacting the way you intended them to yeah absolutely and then you know then there are absolutely so many people who come up to us um, even after the Q&A and feel so validated and, and empowered just seeing themselves on screen, you know, represented, young, young yeah. once electronically mm -hmm. reproduced, young yeah. women of color, older women of color, um, the, young the, queer the women, woman, the, Muslims, the Bollywood uh, actor, yeah, Shabana Asmi, yeah, she was phenomenal. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I can't wait to see it. She's I'm so looking out the window with this little opera binoculars, looking for a potential for a nice young man to marry her daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, and. Um, She's just absolutely understated, hysterically funny, mm -hmm. and more so funny for what she does not say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, and, and the communication that goes on between mothers and daughters that does not happen verbally. Yeah. I've seen that I a lot. I have a daughter. And, and, <laughs> I've got three. And, and, and uh, her and my wife have a very uh, almost telekinetic way of communicating sometimes. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a very telling uh, movie about also about the way generationally women speak to each other. Right. Yeah. And, and culturally. And, you know, we're not also. as men. We're not really privy to that very often and, mm -hmm. and very often it's because we're just not looking mm -hmm. you know well again those stories aren't being told i mean you know you can think of like a mystic pizza or mm -hmm. you know there were some of those films yeah, but, I even that, years, but even that even that they're looking for you know uh there's some guy to come in and save the day and absolutely you know, yeah yeah no this is uh, uh it, what i love about this also was the way shireen alvarez communicates mm -hmm. with her daughter with shana mm -hmm. and um uh, it's just hysterically funny, uh, and then the whole—the woman who plays the wrestling teacher. Yeah, she's Audrey, my hero. Audrey Francis. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I love her. She's hysterically mm -hmm. funny, mm -hmm. and the whole—the the whole wrestling thing works so seamlessly well, and so it's such a marvelous uh, coda for the whole thing. Um, when when. Uh, Ashmi goes to her daughter's wrestling match. You know, she probably hasn't left that chair in what 
20 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she goes out to a luchadora match. Um, it's... Well, I don't, don't want to give too much away, away but it's, uh, no. Well, but, but I mean, I'm just—I really love it. I'm going to see it another time. The funnest part w- shooting that those final scenes with Shabana at the wrestling match. Those—those uh, <laughs> those were her actual last day. That the last day that she was, we were shooting with her. So we literally had kept her sequestered in this Humboldt Park living room for you know six days. So she comes to the to this huge venue, and I go to her dressing room and. She, I said, okay, we're going to bring you out and we're going to shoot all of your, you know, the your reaction shots to what's happening in the ring. And she just said, you know, like, how will I really know what's happening in the ring? I don't, you know, like, I've never, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, how will I know how to uh-huh. react? <laughs> you're, per- you're like, perfect. And I said, well, we actually have, we have pro- wrestlers. We have professional wrestlers who are actually going to wrestle while we get your um, reactions. And she still, you know, was like, all right, well, good thing I'm, you know, an accomplished actress and I can act my way through yeah, it. Yeah. We brought her in, and she, the first take, literally, she just watched it with her mouth hanging open. You know, she had never seen anything like it. And she was kind of like, cut, Welcome cut. to America. <laughs> she was like, hold on, I got to call some friends. Like, she really called some people to come join her on set because she thought it was so extraordinary. She yeah. had never seen anything like it. And so when we wrapped her that day, which was when we wrapped her for the whole um, film, she wanted her picture taken in the ring, yes. you know, with the yeah. wrestlers. It was really special I lo- I love to Lucha surprise Libre her. Wrestling. Mm-hmm. I love um, with the masks and stuff. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that's like fun. I mean, that's showbiz. That's gorgeous George stuff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, they're telling a story. And there's Absolutely. The good guys and there's the bad, bad guys. guys. Yeah, yeah it's, it's operatic. Guys. It's the same stuff that, you know, uh, opera and theater are based on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I just thought all of that was just so well done. And and Shireen gives you a small comic masterpiece of a performance. Oh, she's great. We were really yeah. lucky to cast so many of the Yeah, talk legend- about getting lightning in a bottle. Legendary, you know, Chicago theater actors and put them in comedy roles. I mean, as you mentioned, Audrey Francis, who plays Jade, the wrestling coach, is hilarious in this film. And she's a Steppenwolf ensemble member yeah. who ha- is known for high drama. She's so captivating mm-hmm. on the stage. And she truly is the same in this film, just completely captivating. She steals all of her scenes and is hilarious. Yeah. She's, she's great. And it's... Foz, what guts it must take because Foz is not a big woman. Yeah, what she go about a buck ten? You know, and she's like getting body slammed. She's, you know, I mean, it took no small amount of guts to do this. Did she well, have a stunt person? Yes, and she yeah. do them? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Both Audrey and Fozia are both like, yeah, just a, as big as a minute. The two mm-hmm. of them, yeah. you know. And so we had a very large Christian Litke, who was our stunt coordinator, who's a big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, who you know trained them enough so that they could do part of the stunts, so that they sold it okay. It looked yeah. believable, yeah. but yeah, we everybody had doubles, and those those women truly slammed each other around. It was impressive. Oh man! And well, then we had and then we had two sets of actual professional female wrestlers, uh, both of whom were recommended to us from by, Bill, by Billy Corrigan. Well, Billy Corgan gave us those. He's a big wrestling. He's fan. a wrestling guy, yeah. And he was the one who recommended those two sets. Yeah, and they came to the, to the Friday night screening. The premiere, yeah, yeah. All the wrestlers did, but they were also extraordinary. I mean, those women are amazing athletes. Yeah. And so yeah. we had them. You know, we we choreographed a fight for them that was like about a two and a half minute fight, and then they basically just did it over and over and over again. And at the end of the day, we're like, cool, we could do more. And I was like, no, you've. 
we're good. Yeah, yeah. we got it. Yeah. It is have, fun. Those have days. You watch, fun. Have you watched Glow at yeah, all? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I, I think Glow's kind of a fascinating little world too. I yeah. mean, I didn't. I don't like it nearly as much as I love Signature Move, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, I mean, women wrestlers, I mean, there's nothing, uh, you know, shrinking violet about them at all. They're no, badasses. No, but it's still, you know, I mean, speaking of Billy Corgan, I did, I actually had lunch with him up at his Northside Tea House in anticipation for this film to ask him about just some of the insides of wrestling from mm-hmm. another perspective. I mean, I was, of course, kind of dying to ask him about Smashing Pumpkins and yeah. music biz, having moved here to Chicago in 1994. That's but where I, I moved in. Oh, right in the, right in the uh, heart of it, Siamese dream. I just kept it to wrestling, and so did he. And it was interesting to talk to him about making a feminist wrestling film because uh-huh. he was really, his perspective was like, you know, re- wrestling is still, you know, not a sport that is all that nice to women or that women no. women can get into wrestling oftentimes as a way, or he thought, you know, to sort of like get closer to some of the men, but the men actually don't sort of care about that relationship and... That's so kind of, of what that, I love about Glow. Right. You know, is that uh, the whole premise is, you know, uh, you know this show? Oh, yeah. Show? I've yeah. watched the whole thing. It, and it's a good show. I mean, is that is that? do you think that's good or bad for the film that those are kind of coming out the same time? I think it's good. Time? And it yeah. was absolutely, it was just a coincidence. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that was happening. And I think it was... You, know, you guys think, may have started a craze. I mean, this oh, might become well, a thing. I think it's like, you know, there's... I mean, roller derby is giant right yeah, now, yeah. kind of all over. I mean, it's sort of ebbed and flowed. Been, I used to watch that when I was a kid. Well, and I, so I think there's this, there's some nostalgia for. You ever seen Kansas City Bomber? No, that's a classic. Oh I, man, I gotta put that on my list. Come on. Of the, I know. What am I doing with my Raquel life? Raquel Welch, yeah, well, Kansas City Bomber, yeah, at her prime, yeah, 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 yeah she was great. But I think well, there's there's a nostalgia, right? There's a oh, nostalgia yeah. for these kind of. Um, it's like a fourth wave feminist gesture to kind of revive all of this. I, ha- I have a bunch of badass. It's kind of empowering. Yeah. Yeah. I, have, I have a bunch of badass friends. They do um, mud queens, the, uh, the mud wrestling, yeah. you know? And mm. I had a friend of mine chastise me, like, how dare you support I was like, I know a woman who's a lawyer who does this <laughs> stuff, you know? Yeah. Like some of the toughest feminists I know well, do Chicago's the mud wrestling. Chicago's got a roller derby Windy team. Windy City Rollers. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're great. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really Actually, good. I think there's two of them, but yeah, yeah. So, so what's next? What, what, what do you move on to now? Uh, so I am in pre-production for another feature-length film that I wrote and I will direct next summer called As With Knives and Skin. And it's another um, Chicago film project production. So Brian and Jan from New City cool. are producing it along with a guy named Gil Holland who lives in Louisville, Kentucky. And um, so we're we're gonna head into we're doing sort of lit some location scouting and some preliminary casting right now, but we'll shoot next June maybe in Lamont, Lamont, mm-hmm. Illinois, mm-hmm. where the quarry is. Yeah. I know it because mm-hmm. it's a I call it a, a, a midwestern gothic teen noir. So it's Ooh. a little bit more of the subject matter that I've been interested in in my shorts, sort of taking. No, in your on... shorts, you've you've done some things that are like kind of horror pictures yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also a lot about the experiences of adolescent girls. Yeah, in the Midwest. Are Are you a horror movie fan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Near Dark has been one of my sure. favorite films forever. Yeah, I agree. Because they never utter the word vampire. Mm-hmm. And it's the greatest vampire movie I've ever seen. Bunch yeah. of vampires traveling around on a Winnebago. Yeah. 
You know, <laughs> I should check it out. The late great Bill Paxson's in it. Oh, I love and, Bill Paxson. Yeah. Uh, Tim, the late great Tim Thomerson and um, uh, Lance Henriksen and uh, some pretty guy that uh, is the lead. Yeah, always, but, uh, always the pretty guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but uh, lame. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, they make mincemeat out of him. Um, but I but, think it's a good time right now for women to to also take on horror. You know, like uh, Lily Amanpour's A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. I mean, that was uh-huh. another sort of, you know, immortal vampire-ish story, you know, in Farsi. Amazing. Uh, I have good to night, see that. Good Night Mommy was co-directed by a woman. That's a German film, but super creepy. I'm kind of crazy for vampire yeah. movies. The Babadook, yeah. really interesting Australian that was film great. directed by yeah. a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't the, know that. That's yeah. good to know. So yeah. I just did you like a, Let the Right One In? I loved it. Yes. So did I. Yeah. yeah. I was crazy for it. Yeah. No, I mean, so I think it's a. I think it's an interesting time for the horror genre to be um, like smartened up it follows is mm-hmm. it follows i love that from not maybe last year that came out i mean that was written and directed by a guy but it's still i feel a really special which film it follows i've not seen it not just it it follows it's really brilliant i, I haven't seen the new it yet just because i haven't either uh i don't know it's hard for me to divorce myself from the the tim curry yeah I sure. haven't seen the new Blade Runner yet, even though I loved the first one. I loved the I first just, one, too. Yeah. I, I rewatched that last night because I couldn't see your film ahead of time. So mm-hmm. I'm ready for the new Blade Runner. We should go next week. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, Max has seen it, and then Max, with reservations, he liked it. Yeah. I've, I've, heard, I've heard people either love it or hate it. Just, well, I like oh. that guy. I like the guy who made it. Uh, I can't pronounce his name. I Dennis Villanueva or... Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's he, just from the trailers. He's obviously a brilliant stylist. Yeah, yeah, it and looks he, good. It looks beautiful. Yeah, and it, it looks like Philip K. Dick reads. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm waiting with bated breath and a little bit of trepidation for Electric Dreams, which some of which mm-hmm. shot here, mm-hmm. and the rest of it shot in London. Uh, Brian Cranston produced it. It's a bunch of Philip K. Dick stories. Mm-hmm. Um, what else are you looking forward to? What what kind of rings your bell as far as movies that are coming out? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I feel like I've been in a like under the boulder of yeah uh, of this of yeah. this film and thinking about how to get out of it to you know to move on to the next film. But I but I feel you know I'm actually real curious about. Um, Maybe more than film, even what's happening in TV and yeah. miniseries, yeah, or like web series and episodics. Oh, I like them too. You know, I <laughs> I bet you do. Yeah, <laughs> but I really feel like that's actually. I feel like there are a lot of people who've been trying to, you know, make it in the um, the feature film world, mm-hmm. um, but they can't for mo- many reasons. None of which is about their ambition or their you know their intelligence or their, or their creativity. Or, yeah. And so they're kind of circumventing the system and going into the episodic, which I think is such an awesome place for It's been very good for writers. Innovation, yeah. Here's what I'm looking forward to in terms of films. And the first time that I saw the trailer, of course, I was like, what is this? This is ridiculous. But it made me go research it. It's the the one about the maybe Dr. Marston and the Wonder Woman, right? It's about the guy who um, developed Wonder Woman. Oh yeah! I oh yeah! He was an inventor and a scientist, and he yeah. was in this like polyamorous 
marriage with two really? women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like S and M heavy. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why all the Wonder Woman and the Lasso the whips and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's directed by an African American woman, and it just feels like such an interesting combination of things. I mean, I'm I'm a Wonder Woman fan since. You know, like I was little, right? So I love sort of all iterations of wondering. I love Linda um, Carter. Yeah, I mean, oh, forget you know. about it, right? <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that, and I think that that's just maybe it's just actually opening right now at the London Film Festival, so uh-huh. it'll it'll make it eventually. But I'm looking forward to you know the what's happening episodically, and I'm looking forward to the new season of Goliath when it comes out. I've never seen that one. It's Billy Bob Thornton. Mm. And it, was, it was excellent. It was beautifully yeah. written. Yeah. And I leave in two weeks to go shoot the second season of Patriot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very um, exciting. Well, I mean, and even talking about television, you know, we're kind of like in the second golden era of of TV right I, now. I, I would say like, it's probably the first. I yeah. mean, when television was first invented, I mean, it was something. It was a tool for advertising, really. You sure. Know? I mean, I don't think there was any really great television outside of some very. Rare exceptions: Playhouse ninety, um, Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. All in the like Family, mm-hmm. All in the Family, Soap, yeah. to a certain degree. You know, Soap. first, well, first gay <laughs> yeah, character. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Mary Hartman, Mary, Mary Hartman, you know? Mary Hartman. My mom and I were just talking about. And them. I would make a case for Mash, which was an anti-war yeah. oh. television mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a lot of that was in the late sixties and the seventies. In the seventies, yeah. You know? But that, and that was also a time when. You know, some so maybe I mentioned I'm teaching screenwriting this semester, and I always like to sort of start in the 70s with you know Badlands or mm-hmm. The Conversation yeah. or Nashville, all of these films that were actually really commercially successful, but that are very um, complicated. They're complex. They're complicated stories that have. Um, or any of the Chayefsky scripts. Yeah, for sure. Know? Well, so Nashville's I think tell- gigantic. I mean, yeah. yeah. Holy moly. Like 40 characters in there yeah. or something. Yeah. But I. But it's a the. I think that, that that television was doing the same thing, and then it got mm-hmm. really dumb for a little while, and mm-hmm. now it's sort of it's become smart again. And what do you think about films? Do you feel that? I mean, I, I feel like there's better TV right now than there are movies coming. I'm out. Just I feel like tired of all of them being comic books. I'm, I'm just not, getting. I and I that's going to get burned and I, out. And too. I'm somebody who grew up loving comic books. Yeah, um, but I, I just feel like uh, they turn into CGI nightmares. All of them at mm-hmm. some point or another. Even the Wonder Woman film I thought was really pr- well done, good story. Yeah. But it just it all eventually turns into a CGI. By the way, what, what are you thinking about the Deuce now that it's like five or six episodes in? I'm liking it. It's a you know I, I'm, I'm not. So you're much. not. You know. No. Do you, have you been watching uh-huh. the show? I you know I, they're developing these characters. Characters, they're developing this world. I'm I'm they interested in it. I haven't they seen the comic. Can't seem to break out of the stereotypes, though. You know. Yeah. You know what I mean. I do. I do. But I mean, I think about. The, I keep relating this back to the Wire, and like the first season of the Wire, it took me a little while to get into that and realize that there was this mosaic story they're telling. You mm-hmm. know, and it's not just one or two characters and their struggles. They're really the trying. I think he's trying to to paint a really big portrait here. There's a lot of great work being done, I think, on behalf of a, a flawed enterprise. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, I love Maggie Gyllenhaal's work. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty fearless. and uh, She's so talented. Yeah. And, and the other young women yeah. uh, in this are phenomenal. Um, the, the kind of... Uh, I kind of feel like the the pimp roles get somewhat normalized, and I 
I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, the first episode. Yeah, I mean, they're funny. Beaten. They're they're somewhat charming, and I and I imagine, yeah, there's such a thing exists, but. You know, in the long haul, I mean, they hurt people, they exploit people, they employ uh, a version of slavery yeah. that is just, um, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, especially now uh, in, in the last week, all of this Harvey Weinstein stuff has, has broke out yeah, and broke out in a big way. Um, Ronan Farrow's story in The New Yorker is the most damning thing I have ever read. And you can tell this guy really did his homework. If you're going to go after that guy, you better have. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Because he is litigious, and it's it's kind of what kept him... Most powerful sacros- guy in Hollywood yeah. until a week ago. I mean. Sacrosanct. And, and until th- about three days ago, actually. And it seems like it's no... I guess that the, it wasn't lost on me that, you know, the that, he, that Ronan Farrow grew up in a household with Woody Allen... Yeah. You know, I mean, there's oh, yeah. like. Who is allegedly his father, but he looks a lot like Frank Sinatra. Really to me. He's totally Frank He's Sinatra's clearly Frank, Frank Sinatra's kid. Everybody does. You know? that. I, 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 I mean, I look at him and I think, Jesus, he could play Sinatra. You know, he's you know? clearly Sinatra's kid. Yeah. But I think it was, there There felt like, it felt like being able to expose, um, you know, Weinstein was also a way to. to you know, yeah. have a there's a slippery slope reaching back through well, uh, Woody Allen, fi- Polanski, etc. We Absolutely. can go on and on and on. Absolutely. Well, and how, but that's, that's also the names we know. You know, there's so many. Well, oh, there no are, the, you know, there are also other names that uh, it's been inferred about, but nobody wants to come right out and say it. But you can go down to a corner store right now, and I guarantee you can find some middle aged guy, you know, harassing some young female who's working for him there, yeah. too. I yep. mean, yep. it happens all over. In, in every aspect of life. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, what what's good about this, though, is that this is going to make it a lot less acceptable. And, you know, when I, I... I'm seeing all these guys on the news, you know, Damon, Affleck, Clooney, Mark Ruffalo, and everybody, to one extent or another, well, we always heard things, well, why don't you say something? Yeah. Because you know, they were afraid. Uh, they were afraid for their careers, as yeah. as were all these women were. Yeah. Everybody was. Everybody I think was. yesterday, what was uh, sort of as the news was coming out yesterday, felt like a, a sort of a big day, or maybe I was, you know, had some, more time in front of the computer. And the, um, you know, it was irritating, right? Where all of the, as allegations or the testimonies came out from people like, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow or Angelina Jolie or Mira Sorvino. Yeah, wh- why did they not? And they were saying, you know, them. but they were saying, you know, that there was that backlash, right? Which is very typical of people saying, well, I'm angry at them. They should have sort of come out a long time ago and really not understanding what that, that it's this, um, you know, it truly is an iceberg. You know, this one little incident has yeah. this, it's a really complicated Web oh, that, I'm, that I'm, I'm like not that. mad at No, that, I knew that you weren't you know. saying that, that. But that it's, you know, I mean, even just to kind of hear the the audio recording where he was, he's talking to that Italian model and she was saying, Unbelievable. you know, you touched me yesterday. I don't want to stay here. And he was saying, come on, just come on. You're going to embarrass me. You're going to so- embarrass me. I'm sorry. You know, like I won't do it again. Don't, don't ruin my friend. Don't ruin our friendship for five minutes. It was clearly just in a 30 second sound clip, like so much power abuse mm-hmm. and manipulation yeah and, and you know uh this the testimony from um roseanne arquette talking about her experience where she was really intimidated by him and she's someone who eventually just dropped out of acting yeah. and i 
you would have to imagine that it was partially just to sort of like, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay under the thumb of someone like that and everyone who was who was enabling him? Or do you just want to kind of go walk back away. to your walk away? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, where did she wind up in just recently? Uh, Ray Donovan. Mm-hmm. Uh, she w- was in last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, now it's like, so I also saw, you know, Juliana Moore was on MSNBC yesterday talking about this, that there are a lot of women who are talking now who are, you know, in their 40s and things mm-hmm. happened to them, you know, 20 years ago when they were Bill Cosby much younger. Bit. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that it's so much easier, obviously, when you feel like a more actualized person and you understand the origins of your autonomy to speak out, not when you are a 20-year-old who is tr- trying to get a career started. Trying to get a career yeah. started and someone ushers you into a room with someone like that who's very powerful, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that we, I mean, some of my my other um, films about teenagers have a lot to do with the way that adults um, uh, disrespect or disrupt boundaries between themselves and young people you know and i had i mean i had experiences as a young athlete as a you know as a teenager looking where i wasn't sure what was happening and then looking back as an adult you know i realized that that was an adult who should have known that it was inappropriate to ask me out or to talk to me that way or to call me at home or just you know Mm -hmm. so I think that we still live in this in this world where lots of adults and, and in this case a lot of men don't feel or they still feel a lot of patriarchy. They feel entitled to cross those boundaries yeah. and the onus is on the young girl who truly is just trying to <laughs> make her way, you know, towards a career. I mean it's it feels to me then that's like it's uh you know, looking looking at, you know, a signature move that has Women. I mean, there were there were two guys on the production team, also producing team, but um, there were three women on the producing team. There was a female director, two female writers. You know, we had women in the camera department. We had, you know, the we there were we made sure that there were a lot of women both in front of and behind the the camera. <coughs> and what was what was significant at some point talking to Shabana who's made hundreds and hundreds of films. She said that she noticed a, that it was a real palpable difference on this set with having mm-hmm. so many women on set. Same thing, Audrey, Audrey Francis, you know, just said that she appreciated so much how much I trusted her as a, as an actor. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% also about like, you know, just bypassing the system, you know, and not having to, de- to you and me both kids to work under yeah. somebody's thumb and yeah. saying kind of. I mean, you had asked me before we started recording, like, have I ever worked on anyone else's film? And I and I haven't. I think it was partially because the even though I, even though I was at in an in an art school, not specifically a film school, there was still a film school model that was happening, and so I was one of the only women in that area, and I was like relegated to you know like clapper loader you know uh-huh. running slate and i thought like i can run, but i can run the camera you know i can write this i could have directed this yeah. but i was like truly outnumbered and so i um and we were shooting on 16 millimeter film and so that's actually when i bought my own video camera you know not yeah. a film camera i bought a video camera for myself because i thought i mean it was still then many years ago based on a point and shoot you know, mentality, and I thought well, I can. You know, high def video is, is so good now that. Uh, I mean, cameras on phones are better than the cameras that yeah. people have. So I really, I mean, even a long, long, long time ago, I really thought like I'm not going to wait for someone to give me an opportunity to tell no. a story. I'm going to do it myself. Do not wait for permission. Not ever. Mm-hmm. 
Every young artist who's ever come through my studio, that is the first commandment. <laughs> and when you forget that, the second commandment is see first commandment. <laughs> <laughs> Do not wait for anybody to give you permission. And it's always easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. And this yeah. is true. This is true. Um, well, just real quick, I want to just go back to the Harvey one. Yes, yes, just sorry. One I, last thing. Cause, no, no, but I, mm-hmm. th- that was, I think that was really important what you were talking about and how that your, your actors were reacting to a, a, a kind of pro-female environment. And that yeah. probably, I think, aided in your, in your filmmaking. But at the same time, we talk about these men who are abusive. You know, we, we elected a guy to office who's, you know, caught on tape talking about... Exactly. You know, saying the worst things possible. And he's the president of the... And this asshole still won. Yeah. And I just, you know, okay, look, in our little blue liberal bubble, you know, in in the people we surround ourselves with, we we look at those kinds of things. We think, yes, obviously that's wrong. It shouldn't be that way. But a large portion of this country still think that's okay. Oh, man, once you you get south of the city limits or west of the city limits— or north. During, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. during the, the election, I mean, the Trump signs. Oh, yeah, all over. Up. I mean, we're, we're, it was. I drove down to Kansas last fall, stopped at my friend's house in Missouri, and it was just Trump signs in every lawn, every all the way down there. Right, and know? all of those people would agree that, that locker room talk is acceptable. And it, it boys will be you boys. Know, you know what? I've had plenty of locker room talk, and I've never said anything like no, that. Of course. You know, I mean, right. I mean that. That's you know what, I have. Beyond the I pale. don't say it anymore, though. I have. You know, I, when I was when I was younger, I've I've certainly said things that I've totally regretted. But I've gotten older and wiser, and I I became yeah, a father of three I women. I don't think yeah. you said anything about assaulting women. I mean, that that's the. I'm sure I made a joke about it or something. I'm sure I have. I've sure well, I've, I've said tons of done stuff. But I've grown up. I've and I and I'm in it's a society, society. I think we're slowly but surely growing up. It's going to take generations. I had five sisters stuff. growing up. So you uttered anything like that, it slapped the shit out of you. I have a daughter who is. Uh, I have a daughter who lives in Italy and is going to represent refugees. And if you say anything untoward or the least bit insensitive, um, she, she is on you like white on Richie Daly. Yeah, you good. know, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know. Well, I have three young sons who, you know, know the word feminism and good. consider themselves Absolutely. feminists. Yeah. And, you know, even though there's plenty of like, you know, jokes about penises in my house as the only woman in my house you know i'm like you guys can have that but let's you know (laughs) (laughs) so i don't want to take that from them that feels like a part of you know that feels like a a right of yeah at a certain age that becomes an object of fascination you just can't you just can't open you know really but i really feel like it's a it's sort of like my charge as a woman as a as a mother of of boys to make sure that they have to protect them from the tyranny of the penis yeah to be absolutely honest with (laughs) you but i feel like i'm also you you know, I want them. I want to raise them as feminist boys, which also means that I raise them to be men who are um, not emasculated by their emotions or not emas- yeah. emasculated by, you know, um, you know, understand that being called, you know, like a pussy is an is an insult for many many reasons, or that you don't 
you know, get on each other for being emotional and whatnot. You know, I mean, it's and it's not like a constant barrage of yeah. lecture. There's lots of laughing in my household, too. You know, but <laughs> yeah, but I do feel like when I had my third son, I was like, oh, man, it's another boy. It's another boy. You know, but I thought like, OK, this is my responsibility You're outnumbered. To, to raise these these um, feminist boys. And I do think that you're that going to raise of, good young men. Yeah. So far, know? so good. You know, my son marched in the the uh, the sister march. Yep. You know, yeah. I mean, I was very proud of him. Well, I mean, I know? think that this Weinstein moment is really also a moment where you know men are responsible too, and men are responsible. I mean, no, I'm not talking about a Weinstein lot of good himself, will come out of it. A lot but, of guys will, will take a good look in the mirror and go, "Boy, I hope I don't radiate any of this kind of." ugliness or any of this kind of uh... or that you have to speak up and you have something that has to be more important than the next role in the next ridiculous absolutely huge you know film that is produced under his name something else has to be more important you have to oh he's done stick a fork in his ass and turn him over and and i heard this morning that his wife left him you know which is probably about time maybe way overdue but you kind of wonder what i saw a picture of them together and it's like uh What's wrong with this picture? It's mm. like, you know, Harvey Weinstein was like slugging way above his weight. And uh, <laughs> she's either blind or, or uh, you know, impaired. Or, or, you know, maybe she actually loves the guy. But um, I, I would think after the litany of, uh, of all of this. She'd be insane to stay. Mm-hmm. Sure, I I don't think I'm I'm not as optimistic as you guys are. I don't. I th- I think this well, stuff's going to keep feeling, going on. For you know a while. What, what you're beginning to hear between the lines is that his own brother threw him under the bus. Sure. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's probably been suffering underneath him for decades. Also, I mean, I. You know, who, you know, brothers, brother. Regardless, this might be one of them ding dong witch is dead things, man. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you right. Know? Um, I think that it can only be good that this gets a light shine on it and people take something salient and decent from it, you know, and, uh, you know, speaking for the half on behalf of the (laughs) reluctantly, the patriarchy that, you know, there are lessons to be learned here, you know, so. I mean, I think that even, well, before, well, I mean, I feel like this is part of what I would like to see as um, a a better time in Hollywood for women, Mm -hmm. not only in front of the camera. I mean, I love love some recent um, interviews and essays about um, Frances McDormand. I mean, I wish that it wasn't all about how she's sort of aging naturally, but how extremely talented she is but i think that it's actually a great actress she is of course but i think that it's um i can't wait to see that movie yeah it's gonna be great do you see the trailer Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm gonna gonna take those candies away from you tony i know she's one of my she's one of my my all-time favorites but i mean from something like that to um to having people call out even some of the the more visible um film festivals for their Mm -hmm. rosters that don't include films Mm -hmm. directed by Women in their competition, or women jurors, correct? Yeah. Right, women jurors, or women, you know, female film critics. I mean, there's, you know, you could just sort of go, go on and on. But I think it's a good time. I mean, I feel like I'm, uh, I have, um, I feel like I've been approached recently, uh, and it wasn't, and it was before Signature Move even. But I've been approached recently by film companies who want, who realize they need more women on their roster good. as directors. That's good to hear. I mean, I'm offered real funky scripts, you know, that I also yeah. think like you actually have to offer the women 
the know, good ones too. They wanted to <laughs> Maybe do. what you say to them is, you know, it's a great idea that you, you want to make uh, films helmed by women. How about we bring our own script? Yeah. Well, that's why. That's why. You know, I hadn't I hadn't directed a film that I didn't write before Signature Move. Mm-hmm. That was the first one, and it w- really was about the. You know, I wanted to do something in Chicago, and Fazia is a really has a is a magnetic person, and, oh, I, yeah. and I thought her story was really timely. And I wasn't sure at first that I would be the right person to direct it, but I didn't want anybody else to direct it. You know, yeah. I got a little oh, macho no. about that. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> and so going, but then I'm you know the film that we're shooting next summer. Um, uh, I wrote and. Uh, yeah, so I I don't I I feel really lucky that very sort of early on I had such a f- weird experience, you know, surrounded by male filmmakers that made me really realize that I just wanted to sort of go in on my own. And so it's been uh that's maybe why it's been a long time since I that I haven't made, you know, a ton of feature films uh-huh. when I'm still living in Chicago, but I felt like I do it did it the, the right way. Do do you think that uh a filmmaker we both admire, Chantal Ackerman, mm-hmm. do you think that her Depression and despair had any kind of grounding in being in an industry. I, I mean, much. I think it could be. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm curious about sort of how it works overseas, truly. You know, I mean, we know that Europeans tell better stories, you know, that are or that commercially driven films in in Europe have slightly more substance than a commercially well, no, driven a lot less film, violent. Here, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, or maybe not. I mean, some of them are violent. Some of them are, you know, super um, sexual, and you know, they're mm-hmm. complicated stories. But yeah. they're they're sort of more rich stories. Yeah. Well, they you know? take bigger, way bigger risks, right. and and the money will still back them to do that. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, I don't know if her, you know, if if I mean, because she continued to make films, you mm-hmm. know, as does you know Agnes Varda. I mean, there's some really, mm-hmm. you know, Claire Denis. There's some, you know, great female filmmakers who have been consistently making work how hard that is I'm, I'm not sure you know or we have you know Marin Ade who did the brilliant Tony Erdman mm-hmm. um, who's also been consistently making films and that film was put up you know by Germany for the Academy Award and so I don't know if it's um, I mean but Germany now has a quota you know for production companies and for film festivals where they have to represent women equally mm-hmm. there's been some backlash against that but i think it's made people be less lazy when they're looking at their rosters i mean they really have to it just takes you these are laws of the government mm-hmm. oh interesting mm-hmm. I like that. yeah and so i think that i mean i'm not saying i don't i don't know firsthand but from on this side and looking at you know some of what has been, you know, the women who have been working consistently and being able to work on films that are their films, that the films they want to work on. Uh, and yeah, just just um, the paying attention that the that the um, legal organizations are paying attention to these to this gender gap in a very mm-hmm. in a much more pointed way. Are you Catherine Bigelow fan at all? Well, in theory, yes. I mean, I yeah. love that, you know, that there was finally a woman who got a, an award for directing. I guess I I get I got in trouble for saying this once, but I just felt like she This is the place to get in trouble. Don't it, worry about it. <laughs> but it, it's someone called me sexist because I said that I thought she made um masculine films. I can see that. I I get that. And that You know, the Hurt Locker and Zero Dark 30, I mean, they're they're you know, those are Blue Thunder, Point Break. I mean, yeah, yeah. I love those. I love, you know, I love them. But did she make Blue Thunder? Yeah. 
I thought John Badham made Blue Thunder. Mm. I remember Blue Thunder. I had no idea. Roy Scheider? Yeah. Yeah. The helicopter movie. Yeah. We're talking yeah. About mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the the with that has that creepy scene of him in his helicopter watching some woman in a high rise. Yeah, like the thermo in- imaging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always thought it was John Badham or John I mean, McTiernan. I'm pretty sure it's Blue Thunder. We should look that up. Yeah. I'll look it up right now. It's a, definitely another action with a helicopter yeah. film that she did. So, I mean, I love any woman who is like doing out there her, making films. Yeah, yeah, out there making films. Um, it's hard when she's like the most recognized and awarded female filmmaker and she is making films that are sort of for potentially and about men. <laughs> and we know, for instance, that that audiences will consume films about women. I mean, there was I took a transatlantic plane plane ride a couple of years ago and I watched back to back um Black Swan, mm-hmm. Silver Linings Playbook, and Blue Jasmine. All mm-hmm. that are in theory about complicated, you know, female protagonists, all directed by men. You know, we want the audience is The only one know. of those I like is Silver Linings Playbook. Mm. I didn't like any of them, but that doesn't yeah. matter, you know. Yeah. I, I mean I liked it for Jennifer Lawrence's work. When she keeps running up on Bradley Cooper and scaring yeah. the shit out of him. That's like really funny That's to funny. me. That is know? good. And I think she's a really brilliant, reflexive actor. Oh, no doubt. You know? No um, doubt. That said, I'm I'm not a Darren Aronofsky fan. No. And never either. have been. No, no. You know? For, back to Catherine Bigelow. I think you were oh, confusing the, the movie Blue Steel. Oh, Blue Steel. Nailed. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. that's with Jamie Lee Curtis. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Blue and Thunder, Ron Blue Silver. Steel. Yeah, that's, you're a, close. that's an easy... Same time frame, I'm a too. mom. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That's a mom yeah. thing to do. But they're both worth seeing. I mean, both of those films are worth <laughs> seeing just because they're, they're, uh, there's something uh, transgressive at the heart of both of them. Um, Blue Thunder, the, you know, kind of prefigures... Uh, the use of technology in policing and the use of the war, mach- state. war machines mm-hmm. in policing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Blue Steel, I mean, underlines a completely sexist kind of uh, misanthropic misogyny mm-hmm. uh, big time. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, the, the Ron Silver character was one of the more frightening bad guys mm-hmm. I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen them both. I've seen yeah, okay. Jamie Lee Curtis. She plays a cop, right? Yeah, in Blue Steel. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like a young rookie cop or something. Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I, yeah. I mean, I love any woman who's out there doing it. You know, it just is like I, I don't obsess over the stats, but there's something that's, you know, when you see. Okay, so speaking of Jennifer Lawrence, um, Winter's Bone, that was her first film that yeah. was directed by Deborah Granick. I think that's a really brilliant film. Yeah. And it was nominated for an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. And you would think that would be a kind of a no-brainer that Deborah Granick would get offered another film instantly. And she wasn't. You know, the next film that she made after that was like five years later. It was a very small documentary. You know, I mean, Patty Jenkins. Who really? Did, mm-hmm, Patty who Jenkins. Made Monster who and made we, Monster. Yeah. Um, you know, same thing. Got, you know, Charlie's Theron an Academy Award. A friend of mine worked for her on Monster, and uh, who's now deceased. He mm. was one of the art directors, a guy named mm. Ed McAvoy, mm. and uh, just said she was one of the most instinctive and, and really sharp. Yeah, which the 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 director Charlize. Well, no, the director. Yeah, Patty yeah, Jenkins. Yeah. And so then, so then she goes on to do. She's she has directed lots of television, you know, and then mm-hmm. you know she gets offered. 
um, Wonder Woman, which is amazing. I feel like it was the first time that a woman like that big of a budget was put into the hands of a woman. And you know how like, did you like Wonder Woman? I did. But I, but I went into it thinking about it like it was for going into it for all of the reasons that I would go into a big action film also, mm-hmm. you know. And but of course it was you know scrutinized so carefully, in a different way than it, it than definitely people. got assessed a way way. Yeah, but it crushed the box office, which I think yeah. is you know really meaningful. So you know there's this there's this equation where like a um, a guy can take a um, you know a mediocre first feature. And, um, you know, if it plays at the right festivals, he's he's going to get another feature with more money. And I feel like yeah. the, there's a real trust gap. You know, a woman can make um, a film that, you know, wins awards that gets nominated for an Academy Award even. And I feel like there's still that sense of like, mm, well, let's see what you can do with the next one before I yeah. you know give you money to do it. Like, that's a real those stats are real. And so, you know, that's when also you have to sort of say, like, I think gonna, once you get up over 100 million dollars in uh, box office, you should. Be guaranteed another uh, yeah. another picture, yeah. but that doesn't happen. Yeah, Did you like Mac, Max Fury Road? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean that was like crazy. Yeah, that and, was like death metal, punk rock, and yeah. you know it was just. But I've also really, but I liked the, all of the, you know, I mean, I always I liked all those the Mad Maxes. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's in so a way, it's, it's a similar. I have a similar relationship to sort of futuristic or like speculative. Um, kind of fiction films and sci-fi. The speaking of Blade Runner, you know, I like yeah. these films that are also like really, really smart and kind of mm-hmm. and um, more dystopian than um, uh, you know, clean white space boxes or yeah, yeah. Like a Star Trek versus like a Planet of the Apes is another yeah. one that like oh, War of Planet of the Apes was great. I mean, I still haven't seen that film. one yet. Yeah, I, I like the other two; they were pretty mm-hmm. good. But we, I mean, back back to female directors like. Uh, um, uh, Amy Heckerling is somebody yep. else too. She yeah. had some success with good comedies like uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, yeah. and I felt like it was forever until. Did she ever Clueless. even make another film? Well, she did or? Clueless, which was a huge hit again, and yeah, I, more I feel box like office. I think there were just these big gaps in her yeah. career. It's the same kind of thing. It's it's pathetic. Or even I'm, even uh, the, the woman who made a league of their own, Penny Marshall. Oh yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that movie Holly, Hollywood box royalty office. even. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, it's the numbers are, you know, half our population is female, you know, half the movie going. Yeah, the smart half, too. The smart half. (laughs) I'll tell you, you know, something I learned, we we mentioned earlier, we were both uh, uh, teaching and I, I started teaching at Loyola. And I didn't realize that most college students are female now. Like all my classes were 60 percent plus female. And I guess that's the trend across the board, um, which I find interesting. But I I, it's just it's. it's really pathetic that we just don't see more women directing, more women mm-hmm. writing, more women producing, and and, and telling more find female out that stories. The, that, that the women directors are a lot smarter about the budget. I mean, they're a lot. You know, they're so used to having to work with minuscule budgets. They they make stuff go a long, long way. Yeah. No, it's true. I think that they're used to sort of not not getting what they ask for, so then they make it. They, what what they was your budget do. for signature move? I don't know. I'm going to say maybe three hundred thousand. Yeah, but that was not thankfully something I had privy to. I just showed up and directed everybody. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what I. <laughs> Good for you. I, Good job. Yeah, that's, that's way to do it. To do. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but it's. Uh, no, that 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 trust gap is um, is real, and I think that honestly, it's one of the reasons that we're that we have you know, who we have in the White House. 
Yeah. You know, Asshole. I mean, I think that there were a lot of a lot of people who couldn't couldn't imagine, you know, a woman and of course that woman in particular, but a woman in charge. You know, I think that that was that there that even I agree with you. Donald but it, Trump, it is, still sort but of at a, a certain point, the Democrats are going to have to own that she was a lousy candidate. No, of course. She that, campaigned I mean, like no, shit. No, and, 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 and it's more and I'm sort of like it's more like the, just the average kind of person who maybe even wasn't a huge Trump supporter. But at the end of the day, thought like, well, I'd rather listen to my father than my mother. I yeah, mean, or that, I, that weird. Maybe they couldn't. I even, voted for Hillary, even though I, I was for Senator Sanders. Yeah, I mean, she's not. She wasn't a perfect candidate. No. I just but I just do think it's like I really think that there we there's a, a trust gap in general. And still, having said that, I mean, even right now, I don't know. I would have trusted Jennifer Granholm, Elizabeth Warren. Well, you're a different person. Diane I'm, I'm talking about sort of, sort of the, the average. <laughs> you know, we know keep you're. Going. A, it makes me wish Ann Richards was still alive. Uh, yeah, for sure. Know? No, we know you've got your politics are on point. You're in good shape. I just think that the I'm talking about yeah. the sort of. The kind of average person that maybe wasn't even a huge Trump fan, but you they certainly the didn't trust Hillary. You know what the Teamster guys were telling me that drove me back and forth on Patreon? Mm. And and they weren't bad guys. They weren't, you know, like racist or anything like that. But my buddy Johnny Bo said to me, he goes, oh, I can't do it. He goes, <laughs> voting for her would be like voting for my ex-wife, you know? <laughs> and um, oh, there is gosh. something... There is something about Hillary's tone that was sometimes condescending and inapproachable. And she was married to the most natural political animal of the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. And none of that likability or warmth ever translated. Um, I thought she was a terrific secretary of state. Mm-hmm. I thought them trying to hang Benghazi on her was absolute bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she was a fine senator in, uh, in New York. And honestly... I lament that she is not the president of the United States mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. But you know, truthfully, like... the Democrats fucked up. And Look they've at... run shitty campaigns for a long time because they got spoiled. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, like I said, she's not. she wasn't a perfect candidate. I just think it's really, it's also this, it, to me it's related to how, to who we um who we trust in charge. And I uh-huh. think that's changed over time, really. I mean, we, you know, there were, there was a time like centuries ago when there were a lot of sort of, you know, female world leaders, even yeah. if they inherited that position from their father. And right now, well, where, where I Elizabeth, teach, Victoria, sure. I mean, <laughs> Marie Antoinette, <laughs> there, there were a few. And where, you know? and where I am a professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago, I mean, it's like, the the whole the cadre of of people in charge of the of the decisions are all women and mm-hmm. there's not one kind of mean girl among us you know it's like we really our our female friendship is our is our survival strategy and we mm-hmm. we get it done so and you're you're a professor right I am that's pretty cool full professor I've gone all the way through multiple you know tiers of that's tenure. way cool yeah now. The only way guys like me get to be called professor is if they play piano in a whorehouse. <laughs> you know, because you know, in the South, the guy who plays the piano in the, in the brothel is the professor, you know? How do you know this? Uh, I know I know it from uh, uh, working with the Neville brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Charlie Neville told me, he goes, well, he goes, that man, he's he's the professor. He's talking about Dr. John. I said, I've never call, heard him called that. He goes... Well, it's because I call him Dr. John. He goes, but 
That's a man who learned how to play the piano in a whorehouse, you know, and that's what they call guys who learn that. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, there's an old joke. It's like, um, uh, please don't tell my mom I'm an actor. Uh, she thinks I play piano in a whorehouse. <laughs> you know? But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, full-on professor, that's mm-hmm. that's something, you know? Yeah. I never realized what it took to be a professor. It's like years and years, you know? It's crazy. Uh, not, not, the, not the classes I I barely teach. got out of high school, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So... I I was a horrible student. I'm still shocked that I'm that they trust me to teach kids. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get offered no shortage of teaching jobs, and I tell them, you know, I barely got out of high school. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, for life achievement and things like that. It's like, no, mm-hmm. I think you got to have the the sheet. You don't skin. always have to have all the paper, all the paperwork. Uh, it's kind of unfair to the people who went and got it. You know what I'm saying? I, w- I don't mind. I, I'll give you permission. Yeah. You know what? You concentrate on art and acting and writing, yeah. and I, you'll be just fine. Yeah, I think you'll be just fine. That's kind of what I'm fine. doing. Yeah. You know? Speaking of writing, so I was in Portland visiting my parents, and my mom wants to hear more Rush Street stories. Okay, on the we'll air. give you one next week. Okay, yeah, that'd be I great. just wrote a new one. Good. I'm writing a collection of short stories yep. set in and around Rush Street. Love over it. A half a century. So I'm I'm on the short list that gets kind of the rough editions yeah, as they gets, come out. Yeah. And Lucky they're, duck. Oh, they're mm-hmm. really good. And the whole thing is, as I read them, I'm thinking, this is a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, so am I, actually. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, and and said Chicago me. could maybe use a female director. Absolutely, lots of female directors. Mm-hmm. You know? Speaking of which, Tim noted that uh, Amy Heckerling uh, directed a few episodes of Goliath. Mm. Oh, excellent! Yeah. Yeah. But see, that's what I'm saying. I feel like there's a lot of women who are who haven't made films in a while, but they are pretty active in television. We, Barbara Koppel talented. made the episode of uh, Homicide Life on the Street that I'm in, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it was before she's I was legendary. thought, oh, she's a mm-hmm. documentarian. It's like, yeah, but she knows what a story is, yeah. you know. What Are there any female directors on Patriot were there last season? No, no, no. Well, Steve Conrad directed them all. Did he? You okay. Know, I mean, he did it, and he did it for a very good reason. There are plenty of women behind the camera, though. You yeah. Know, there are plenty of women in the camera department and uh, in every other department. I mean, we're pretty ecumenical that way. Yeah. Well, he was really know? putting together a puzzle. I, I could have seen that being difficult to have different directors. Yeah. And I that. mean, it did, I will also always let the director have the discretion of controlling the tone of his own show yeah you know now you said this is your first feature but you've done a lot of shorts prior to this right yeah i've done a lot of shorts and i actually did two feature length projects in sort of the early 2000s but they were much more experimental i mean mm-hmm. i kind of came to narrative even so like i even though i had been a, i said i had been a dancer and then i went to, to filmmaking when i moved to chicago in 1994 i came for grad school at the school of the art institute in the video program you know which was much more about um, moving image installations and galleries yeah. and museums. Mm-hmm. So I sort of have my, the first part of my career was really about, it was much more about moving image in that setting. It wasn't theatrical. It wasn't narrative. Yeah. So, um, you Did know. Did you ever I, see the films of Peter Kubelka? Sure, of course. Yeah. 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 I mean, I like to say I'm a little bit of like the, the sort of, impossible love child of Maya Darren and Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen, <laughs> who's like, you know, yeah. has also a very rich life as a visual, you know, moving you image bet. maker. Yeah. So um, so then when I when I decided that I really, there had always been what I thought were narratives or stories in even my more experimental work or my more visual, you know, kind of gallery-based work. But 
I was never satisfied with that audience. You know, I really was like, who's coming to see, you know, movies in a museum? Nobody. Not even me. Yeah. Not Um, even the Matthew Barney movies. No. So I just was like very slowly, you know, kind of working with my friends who were non-actors, writing little, you know, scenarios and having them improv them out. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, I I taught myself screenwriting and, and directing even, you know, all of that. Did you get the Sid Field books? Mm-mm. I just made I just started making movies, you know, I mean, I just Good started making you. more films and and working with better people. And I I can I watch a ton of films. So I was also I, I hope at the yeah. end of the day able to realize what was a good take and what was okay, not a top good take. five. What are your top five favorite movies? Um, oh. Safe by Todd Haynes. Yeah, I know. Him. Hunger. Another Julianne Moore mm-hmm. marvelous performance. Amazing. Um, Hunger with Bowie Hunger, and uh, no, no. Hunger by Steve McQueen. Speaking oh, of Steve oh, McQueen, the yeah, Bobby yeah, Sands. Yeah. Bobby Sands story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jean Dillman, Chantal Ackerman. Mm-hmm. I've not seen it, but I like her. Uh, I would say also um, Mahal and Drive. David Lynch. I'm a big David Lynch fan. I'm not. That's but I like that. That's, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I saved that to you. And you're like, mm, <laughs> get out. No, 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 no. no. Everyone's just... entitled to their opinion here. Um, I more Wait, like the idea. I more like the idea of them than the actuality. Okay. All right. Um, and I would say maybe um, a new one called uh, that I saw at South by Southwest called Lemon by Janitza Bravo. Which Don't is a, know it. A real weird little film. She's a really interesting African American mm-hmm. filmmaker who wrote it with her husband, and it's a really weird little comedy with my, uh, Michael Sarah. That's no, a kind of, I've I've read about that. Yeah, I mean that's a kind of an add-on. That's not. I did a really. Um, I did a Criterion Collection asked me to do like pick their their a top ten from their from their list, and it included things like um, Hitchcock's Rebecca, mm-hmm, which is I, mm-hmm. which I love, but I also love um, the uh, that author. Who did another? Who just did a? Uh, there was another film that was made by another book that she wrote called My Cousin Rachel. So Rebecca De sort of a weird French name. Mm-hmm. Um, Nashville. I mean Robert Altman. I love. I love yeah. Altman. Kansas City guy. So yeah. yeah, I love Altman. Yeah, um, but I do. I love you know. I love David Lynch and. Um, did you like Shortcuts by Altman? I did, but I no, like Raymond I Carver. Was, I like here. those. So you know the one. The one that was the 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 cover of A Small Good Thing, mm-hmm. which is, I think, mm-hmm. the greatest American short story ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, it just breaks your heart. Yeah. You know, uh, I love that story. I love Raymond Carver's stories. Yeah, no, amazing. Well, and I also love speaking of people who make films that are about from other material, especially short stories. Um, Kelly Reichert, I think right now, was one of mm-hmm. the most interesting. She's a really, she's a, like an American auteur. Certain women if you've not seen it, is such a special film. And I'll she did Meek's Cutoff, which is kind of her where, version. Where can of I see that? Can I, can I get that on like Netflix? Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But Certain Women is a really, it's a really, it's a really special film. And I think it, it totally shows who she is. And, it, it, and it's based on, it's based on short stories. And the same thing, she, Wendy and Lucy is a really interesting film that she did that was based on um, another, uh, I forget, maybe, maybe his name is John Raymond. No. Mm-hmm. It's something. He's a. He's actually a Portland-based hmm. writer. I'm kind of crazy for short stories. I love short I've stories. Always them. I love short stories, and uh, you know, it's a. And so I now I'm also real, always real curious about filmmakers who take on you know short stories and turn them into. Have you ever read films. Burn Burning by William Faulkner? Mm-mm. 
It's one of the great American short stories. Okay. And uh, begs to be a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I like Andre Dubus, who wrote great mm-hmm. American mm-hmm. short stories. Flannery O'Connor. Oh, for sure. John McNaughton is making A Good Man is Hard to Find, mm-hmm. which I can't wait for. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to reunite him. With Michael Rooker. Oh, I love Michael Rooker. As the misfit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I've had a, an absolute great time. This has and, been a and blast. learned a lot having you. And we are so thrilled for the success of Signature mm-hmm. Move. Thank you. And cannot wait for your next film. Thanks. Look Very excited. Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming in. Yeah, with thank us. you so much. My son Max is going to be green with envy. Um, but uh, he will he will hear this because he will edit it. So the, the sort of the his his um his sort of back pay should be that he has to talk to Fazia by herself, the two of them, because she's good luck cutting in. Good good luck with that. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, we're gonna get her in here. Yeah. Um, I would love to interview her. I yeah. like her a lot. I I I'm knocked out by her achievement yeah. of you know. Seeing this thing through, getting getting you to direct it and getting New City to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I don't think you can say enough about the efforts in New City who made this thing happen. Yeah, absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. I worked for them for seven years and know them to be, you know, scrupulous and great people and, you know, well done. No, I think they're really going to change the, the sort of landscape of films that are being made in Chicago, too. I mean, obviously, we've got all the Dick Wolf TV shows that are happening here. You know? Which is keeping a lot of people employed. Yeah. Absolutely, which is fine. Namely, it's my son great. right now. No, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, you know, the Forger films and the Swanbergs and, you know, yeah. are yeah. here and whatnot. And then, I mean, we still do have a pretty vibrant what kind do you of think experimental of the, the community. Swanberg show, easy. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it at all? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I mean, it's, you know, some of my friends from Patriot uh, and, and my friend Shireen's got a bit in it. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I got a couple of friends who are going to be in this next season, and we're in the first season. And like the locations, they shot at Lemmings, and my my He's buddy's got a old really apartment. interesting way of auditioning people. You just come in, they film you having a conversation with the person <laughs> who's filming it. So yeah, um, no, but I think that there's. I mean, there's been there's been a lot of things that have been happening in Chicago. You know, mm-hmm. recently. I mean, yeah. ten years ago, I think it would have been much, much, much harder to make signature move because the the talent is. Or, I mean, the the crew, for instance, like mm-hmm. wasn't here. You know, mm-hmm. so. Um, so I think that all, yes, for sure, you know, all well, the... Well, Cine Stage, I mean, that... Yeah, it's that a game changer. rang the, the dinner bell for yeah. feature films. Sure. Yeah. So I do. So I love what, what New City is doing with Chicago Film Project, and I think they're going to continue to make films, and they really are committed to making films here in Chicago or in around, you know... Well, they're also going to make Hugh Schultz's film. Right. Dreaming Grand That's Avenue, right. which, yeah. I'm, which I'm going to do, yeah. so... Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what evolves out of that. And I think it took no small amount of guts to take that on. And right. First thing right out of the box is the number one independent film in America as of this weekend. Signature move. Jennifer Reeder, thank you so much thank for being here. Thank you so much. So you thought you could get rid of me, huh? This is Max Fitzpatrick of The Max and Tony Show. We just want to thank you for listening to our ninth episode. 
Sponsored by Forbidden Root Beer, next time you're in Chicago, check out their brewery on 1746 West Chicago Avenue. Big shout out to Park Walk Productions, home of the Max and Tony Show. Don't forget to check out Adventureland Gallery in the Dime Showroom at 1513 Northwestern. We are currently showing Kevin Nance's The Way We Live Now. It's a great show. If you want to check out the podcast through my dad, go to TonyFitzpatrick.co, his Twitter handle at this train, his Instagram handle at TonyFitzpatrick9. If you want to access the podcast through me, go to MaxwellFitzpatrick.com or my Twitter and Instagram handle at MaxFitzpatrick. Tune in next time for episode 10. Yes, we made it to 10 episodes. But more importantly, tune in on NBC for Chicago PD. I will be in there. I will be playing a very interesting character that's not too far off from myself. So stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you.